There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice over the open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. Welcome inside edition number 148 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning if only in my own mind. I would be Ross Brendel. You can find me on that Twitter machine at Brendel Ross, B-R-E-N-D-E-L-R-O-S-S. Today's guest for this Pinstripe Bowl preview and college football playoff talk, we'll call it, edition. It's Daniel House from GophersGuru.com, and he is on that Twitter machine at Daniel House NFL. Daniel, I think it's been what three-ish weeks since we've talked. It's good to see you. Good to hear your voice. It's it's good to see you. It's the apocalypse outside. I have a feeling, uh, you know, it's brutal. It, it, it's it's gonna test everyone's character here. But we are we are Minnesotans. We are tough, and we can handle it. So we're we're gonna get through it. We're recording this on the evening. Well, I won't give away the evening because I'm gonna post this, you know, down the road. But we're recording this in the evening. It's freezing out. There's ice everywhere. I'm mm-hmm. still going to drive a literal block and a half. I'm not joking. It's a block and a half. It's a minute drive to pick up some Chinese food tonight. So I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna risk my life for a little sesame chicken with this icy and cold weather, Daniel House. That sounds like a really good choice. I was expecting you to get some pizza or something, but that that's gotta be down the road here. You've got to preserve for if you're if you're inside for a few more days here. Correct. I only have two frozen pizzas in the freezer. There is uh, that fine uh, Italian pizza joint Domino's down the road. So I could always uh, resort to that. You got to go to Pizzeria Pezzo. Have you been to Pizzeria Pezzo yet? I'm saving it for when you head out towards uh, where I'm at, the 55110. We also have to get to Scoop and Stable or Coney Scone, whatever it's called. (laughs) Scoop and Cone. Cup and Cone. Cup and Cone. I'm saving that for you as well. Uh, actually, all kidding aside, with the travel season being here with the holidays, plenty of people listening to this pod, I assume, are hopping on a plane to go watch the Gophers and the Pinstripe Bowl take on Syracuse. And that's what we're going to spend a good chunk of our time on. Uh, Daniel, when the announcement came out, I wouldn't say disappointed. Just It would have been nice to see a different team other than Syracuse because the Gophers have played Syracuse in a bowl game within the last decade. They've also played Syracuse a few times in the regular season. However albeit kind of a de facto home game for Syracuse, I really like the matchup, and this is another great chance for the Gophers to finish the season with a bowl victory and finish the season with nine wins. Yeah, I mean, if you're a player or staff member, you get to go to New York during Christmas and get to experience that. I know a lot of the players are saying this is cool because I had never been to New York. So 
getting the chance to do that will be an experience for the players in the game and any fans that want to go out there. It's, you know, it's unique this time of year. The matchup, I mean, the big thing that I'm watching is the, the rush defense of Syracuse. 13th worst rushing success rate allowed in the FBS. Teams running them at the eighth highest clip in the FBS, like 56% of the time. But it's so interesting that as a defense, they had the number one opponent explosiveness metric in the country. They limited explosive plays really well. They had they allowed just 32 plays of 20-plus yards, which is the second-best mark in the entire FBS behind Iowa. So, you know, their defensive line was a big problem. They're undersized. They have a lot of stunt game, though. Minnesota's got to be ready for D-line movement, and they run a 3-3-5 defense that, you know, it, it creates some challenges, a lot of different looks with it. And like I said, they move their – D-line stunting and doing different things that Minnesota's O-line has to be ready for. I know there's some coordinator changes there. Rob and I left to be the OC at NC State. Tony White left for Nebraska. So there are some, you know, things going on schematically. You're going to see some different feel and tendency calls that you're going to have to address to over the course of the game. If what you're saying is true, and I don't even want to say if, I know it's true. You backed it up with the facts and the stats. I don't think the Gophers care if they have to go 10, 15 plays. I mean, this sets up well for what they want to do in the run game, right? Pound it if it takes you three handoffs to get a first down. Uh, let's be honest. We've all seen P.J. Flex offenses now for a half a decade. He's fine with that. He's okay playing in games like that. I think that's another good sign for the Gophers heading into this game. Yeah, I, I do as well. And, I mean, you look at Syracuse this season, started very hot, but then had a lot of injuries. It was like five season-ending injuries by the time they hit early October. A couple of defensive linemen, which has definitely hurt their ability to stop the run, and it's tested their depth chart. Now you look at departures. Sean Tucker, the number one running back on the roster, he opts out. The starting left tackle, Matthew Bergeron, going to the Senior Bowl, declared for the NFL draft. Uh, you got Darian Chestnut, a good corner for them. He hit the transfer portal. Jihad Carter, a safety also hit the transfer portal. So between injuries, people moving in and out, you got two coordinator changes with interim people uh, in place there. Actually, a Minnesota tie, Nick Monroe, the interim D.C. for Syracuse, is from Matamidi, Minnesota, played D.B. for St. Cloud State. I actually asked him about it today during the press conference, and his dad was on Jim Wacker's coaching staff. Oh, how season. about that? So he grew up around the Gibson complex. So, yeah, it was very cool to, to hear him talk about, you know, he has still has family and friends here, and they said they're going to be going out to watch the game with the blue and orange on, but they said, you know, they, they're just trying to poke the bear a little bit. They got some banter going back and forth between the, the Gopher fans and, and them representing the orange. So you have that Minnesota connection, and I believe you and I, we texted about this, but we haven't potted or really talked about it. The other connection here is this is the de facto Mark Coyle Bowl. He hired Dino Babers yeah. at Syracuse, and he hired P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, and now they're coaching against each other in the Pinstripe Bowl on December 29th in New York. That's kind of a fun fun little side note. Has Mark Coyle weighed in on that at all? I believe he has. I think I saw a quote, but... Uh, not to be mean, in classic Mark Coyle fashion, it didn't really, you know, stir up the masses. But it's just that's a fun side note. Yeah, we had a bowl game press conference a few weeks ago. Classic, you know, bowl game press conference talking about bad boy mowers and you know the the corporate bowl press conference. But Mark Coyle was there. He was asked about it, and 
he described the qualities that he liked in, in both of them and, you know, some of the similarities between the two of them, you know, with their styles and stuff. And, you know, he, he downplays that, that people were calling it the Mark Coyle Bowl. You know, Mark is not one of these spotlight guys. He, he no, likes he's to not. be out of the spotlight. He's behind the scenes, but he's a very personal guy when you get to know him. You know, he, he likes he likes that element better than being uh, prominently featured out there. House, what is the importance of winning? And, and please don't misconstrue what I'm going to say here. But what is the importance of a team winning? We'll call this a mid-tier bowl game and finishing nine and four versus eight and five heading into the offseason. What is the importance of getting that victory? Or, well, is, have, or, or in all honesty, is it not important? Does it really matter? Here's what I'll say. You know, I, I obviously you want to win the football game, but, you know, you look at the opportunity to get some younger players reps. You know, this is a great game to mix some people in, see what they can do, get them a taste, feel for what it's going to be like, where they got to get better. And you got those additional bowl practices. Like, that's the bigger thing for me as someone who, you know, understands the business, talks to people. The, the bowl practices are what matter because that's where you, you have that additional contact to be able to develop players and use that time wisely. So, you know, the bowl game is definitely something that you, you want to win. It's great for the program, you know, being on TV, you know, you never know who, you know, which recruits are, are going to be watching the game. But, you know, this is one of those ones where, you know, Yankee Stadium in New York, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting environment for fans that make the trip out there. I don't know if we'll see it. You might be able to lend a little bit more context. It sounds like there's still some medical hoops to clear, but that Tanner Morgan has at least resumed some sort of practicing. I, I don't know what that looks like. You probably know better than I do. I would like to see, even if it's just one series or a handoff or two, if he's medically able I would like to see Tanner Morgan get some reps in this game. I would like Ethan Kaliak Manis to get 90% plus of the reps that matter. But for what Tanner Morgan has done for the Gopher football program, I would like to see him on the field, if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously the health is the first uh, worry, you know, if he's ready to go. But, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you're looking at all arrangements of possibilities. You know, maybe he comes in the game and Ethan plays a little bit too or – you know, he starts the game, Ethan comes in later. I don't know. Like, we just got to wait and see what the what the medical prognosis is here and where he's at and how comfortable he feels. And then that will kind of determine the direction they go at quarterback. But, you know, this is, like I said, you know, a chance to build off of some things, try new things. This is going to be a big challenge. Like, Ethan Calic-Manis would be very uh, tested very well. Because you look at like this, this defense disguises coverages. They got a lot of different front tweaks they make. They're moving the alignment with stunts and different things. And they make it really, really difficult for the quarterback to, to process pre-snap. And then they make this subtle tweak, you know, where the coverage is different than you were maybe anticipating to bait you into an interception. And this 3-3-5 defense, we don't really know what Tony White's going to do in Nebraska. But here's the underrated thing. Tony White at Nebraska running maybe the 335. I don't know what they're going to do. They probably haven't said yet. But if they do indeed run that, you've got a bowl game here to kind of see what works, learn about it, kind of understand it. And then week one, you got Nebraska yes. at Huntington Bank Stadium. So to play a defensive structure like this and, you know, dive into those details, I mean, that's what people don't maybe know is like, 
this is this is a tough defensive scheme to play against. Kenny Burns is leaving the University of Minnesota. He's the uh, current running backs coach, and I, I'm going to butcher this house, so I'll just let you correct me. He's either associate or assistant head coach. I always forget what the exact title is, but to me, they're fairly interchangeable. He is with the Gophers through the bowl game. That's what that's what you told me and confirmed to me. What I'm interested in on the current Gopher football staff, again, Kenny Burns leaving to Kent State to be their head football coach. I may yep. have neglected to say that. Will he be taking anybody from the Gopher staff with him? His situation's a little interesting because he's not going from coordinator or necessarily the biggest name out there in the pond. So it would be interesting if he took half the staff from the Gophers. I don't expect that. Yeah. But could there be a position coach or two or maybe some behind-the-scenes guys who go with Kenny to be at Kent State with the mighty Golden Flash? Well, right now, I mean, you look at what he's already done with his staff. He's already made his coordinator hires, and Matt Limegrover is actually going to be co-OC and offensive line coach, the former Gophers OC. So he got that job under Kenny, and then, you know, maybe there's an ops person that goes with Kenny. Uh, Other than that, I mean, like right now, I wouldn't, based upon how the staff is coming together, I wouldn't anticipate too much movement occurring. I mean, maybe it's coaches that are looking to advance an opportunity, maybe would pursue that. But at this point, I don't think, you you know, you're going to see a lot of of movement in that sense. But I'm so happy for Kenny, man. Kenny is, Kenny's an awesome dude. I mean, he, when you talk to families and you talk to people, you talk to players when they're done after the career, Kenny is like the guy that always comes up and you ask players you know what drew you to minnesota and a lot of times kenny's name comes up so i i believe he will do a really good job there of just connecting the team building uh building it with the right guys and you know i'm just excited to watch his career grow because he's grinded it out so kenny an interest interesting situation he was a finalist at arizona state did not get that job and then he accepts the job at kent state i think arizona state would have been a much better job but my, my, my question here, though, is, is Kent State the right job for him, or is it just the current team that came to him with an offer and said, be our head coach? Because well, it's a very tough place to win at, but if he wins there, it's going to set him up really nicely for his next big move, which could be the University of Indiana. Down the well, road. look, there are a couple connections worth thinking about here. Daryl Hazel former uh, wide receivers coach for the Vikings, actually, former yep. Purdue head coach, was at Kent State. And he's tied into P.J. Fleck. I believe Daryl was maybe the wide receivers coach and P.J. was a, a GA at Ohio State. So there's a connection there. And Paul Haynes was the also a head coach at Kent State. Uh, he's the current corners coach and co-DC for the Gophers. So Kenny had a lot of, of feedback and ideas from people, you know, that are tied into the Fleck tree that Fleck has worked with in the past to say, okay, here's some things maybe I would have done differently. Here's how you can win there. I mean, Daryl Hazel turned Kent State into Purdue. So he obviously probably provided some good insight for Kenny in that process. So, you know, it's it's a Mac opportunity. What I'm watching for is, okay, what happens with like Tom Allen in the next couple of years? Is Tom Allen right yeah. the ship? But you look at that buyout price right now, Ross, they, they couldn't really do anything there because of the contract we signed. And that's why, you know, when people start talking about PJ Flex contract, it's like, you know, you could have this massive contract that's super hard to get out of. You rather keep continuing to do these, you know, yearly extensions, you know, to show commitment to recruits and, 
you know, change the deal a little bit versus being stuck like Indiana kind of is. But, you know, I, I go back to Indiana is where Kenny Burns went to school, played running back there. You know, maybe that's the future job for him. Go out in the Mac, get some experience and then maybe go to Indiana. Well, let's circle back to where we started before hitting a few other quick topics on the way out the door. Gophers and Syracuse pinstripe bowl, December 29th, New York stadium, New York stadium. How about Yankee stadium? The new Yankee stadium. I, if I had to wager house, I think the Gophers are probably win this game by roughly 10 points right now. They're nine and a half point favorites per Vegas. At least that's what I saw earlier this morning. How do you feel about that? You think this is a game that the Gophers win? Yeah, they'll they'll be able to run the football in this game just, you know, based on, you know, Minnesota's personnel versus Syracuse and what they have not available and all the changes that they made. Uh, offensively, there'll be some different wrinkles. Uh, Gadsden, he's a power slot type of mismatch player, 6'5", 220, listed kind of as a wide receiver and tight end. People kind of go back and forth on it, but average 2.4 yards. Four, four yards per route run, which was the seventh best mark in the ACC among receivers. And he's someone out of the slot that they can kind of flex all over as needed to create some mismatches. And then you got Garrett Schrader, a quarterback, you know, who was battling through a lower body injury in the game against Notre Dame later in the season, presents some challenges in the QB run game with his physicality and size. Uh, and then, you know, there's an air raid influence in this offense a bit, just from a passing concept perspective. That's something new when Rob and I got here now. Uh, back I'll be doing that with uh, the transition to him becoming the OC. But, you know, you look at what they were, Ross, before this new offensive staff came in. They only passed the ball 41% of the time. That was 116th out of 130 FBS teams. They're up to the 47th highest passing rate in the FBS, 52%. So a big increase in passing and the philosophy there to become, you know, a little more multidimensional in their offensive setup. So uh, that's what I'm looking for on that side of the ball. I think Minnesota will be able to run it up front by being very physical. Two-pronged take here on the college football playoff. I am hoping to see Ohio State and Michigan in the national championship. I don't really expect that that will happen, but I think that that could be a ton of fun. And then my second part of the two-pronged take is – I'm not saying they are going to win the national championship, but I do think that Michigan can win the national championship. Your thoughts on that little uh, two-pronged take right there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm intrigued by Michigan as well. I mean, you look at the first game, TCU, they're 77th right now in rush defense EPA per play, number 61 in rush defense success rate. And then you got Michigan, who has a top 10 rush offense in just about every category. They're very physical up front, super creative with their schemes, like I was tweeting about ahead of the Purdue game. Like, they do a very good job of making subtle tweaks, and they execute their scheme at a really high level. So that running game and then the ability to tie that into the passing concepts, they do a very good job of that. And then you look at their defense being able to win up front. They got a lot of talent up there. And that's the thing, you know, TCU is a very fast team. They built it on speed and that's their philosophy. So I believe Michigan's going to try to control this game. They're going to try to run the ball, win up front and kind of get TCU in a p position maybe where they're climbing and try to shorten the game down a bit. 
And uh, that that's probably the formula. And then, you know, you look at you look at Georgia, Ohio State. It's intriguing. Georgia's fifth in defensive EPA per play, top five in a lot of key categories. And then you got Ohio State being third in offensive EPA per play, another top five offense in a lot of categories. But it's going to come down to up front. Ohio State needs to be able to win up front. Their defense is going to have to take some more chances. I feel like they're going to have to blitz maybe a little bit more in this game than maybe they'd like. Just because it's like, what do you have to lose at this point? You got a lot to prove. Everybody's discounting you, saying, hey, you lost to Michigan. You got smoked. Like, now now they have something to prove. And so if Ohio State can play really good up front and they can take some chances, get into some passing down situations where, you know, they're able to get off the field, uh, that game, I think, could be maybe a little closer than than people are initially thinking right now. Well, there's also some precedent here. Ohio State has won the college football playoff and the national championship as a number four seed. So it obviously can yep. happen. My gut says Georgia goes back to back, but my heart says Michigan wins it all. Do you uh, care to weigh in at all on either one of those? I I believe that. Georgia will probably win it all uh, just because I think their offense is playing underrated right now as well. You know, their defense is really, really good, but like Stetson Bennett has made a lot of improvements in his overall game as well. And uh, you know, I, I believe it will come down to Michigan and Georgia, but like I said, I would not discount the idea that, you know, it's possible Ohio state could play Georgia a lot closer than people are anticipating. House, we were talking uh, that it's cold outside, it's miserable. We've kind of hit that season where even when it warms up, it's cool. But one great way to warm yourself up and also warm your heart up, a good cup of coffee and Beans Coffee Company, they can help you out with that. Don't miss out on all the things Beans Coffee Company has to offer. Make sure you subscribe to their email newsletter. Okay, I'm not even asking you to buy anything right now. Just subscribe to their email newsletter. Subscribers, you'll receive advanced notice on limited time sales, new releases, promo codes so you can save a little bit of money, and so much more. Just go to coffeebybeans.com to sign up. While you're there, you can sign up for a coffee subscription. Subscriptions, they can be set up in one to eight week intervals and can be customized by blend. And these blends are fantastic. Again, I keep raving about that new Perfectus blend that they launched right around Thanksgiving, incredibly delicious coffee. Choose your uh, subscription, 12-ounce bag or five-pound bulk bags. Have them delivered right to your door. One less thing to worry about, one less thing to shop for. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That's right, promo code SPORTSCHAT will save you 10% when you check out. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S., free shipping on all orders, over $35. So if you just want to try some coffee, or just order it by the bag and not even do the subscription, you can do that. Coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. And use that promo code SPORTSCHAT to save yourself a little bit of cash. House, let's uh, spend just a minute or two on Ben's boys, the Gopher men's basketball team. They are back to 500 after recently gutting one out against mighty Chicago State. I don't quite know what to make of this team. This team has a lot more talent than the team that we saw last year, but the team that we saw last year, Daniel house was somehow a better basketball team. So I, I just, I can't make sense of it. There's still plenty of time for the Gophers to show some improvement this season. They're going to get what 
20 cracks in the Big Ten. It's also possible, though, as we joked about the last time we talked, they might not win a Big Ten game. I'm hopeful they'll win a handful, but it's it's possible if they keep playing like this, they're not going to win many games the rest of the year. They have Alcorn State uh, also, what, about a week from now? Is it the same day as the Pinstripe Bowl? I think it might be. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's the same day as the Pinstripe Bowl. Like, you know, go for basketball right now. The, the big thing that I would say – I notice is the lack of like a dynamic guard. You go back and look, this team's had dynamic guards in the past, like, you know, Peyton Willis last year, his ability to sort of take a game over when you need it, you know, hit some threes, take you off the dribble, be very dynamic, good, you know, lateral side to side quickness. Watch the gopher basketball team right now when they're trying to defend laterally, that group kind of struggles to, to move their feet and take people off the dribble. And I just, I feel like the, the, the offensive sets is just, it doesn't seem like there's like a lot of activity at times. There's lulls. I, I don't think there are, to... I don't think there are sets house. There really is not an offense. Well, and I mean, you see some of it, but it's like, it, it's, they go on these long scoring droughts where they can't, they can't score. They miss shots. There's not much offensive movement. And then they're not, you know, it, they seem to find sparks when they turn up the defense and they have to play more zone, you know, because of the fact that they're not handling dribble penetration as well. You know, they have the length and, and size to play that zone and make the windows a little more difficult. Yeah. You might give up some threes, but at this point, you know, it's better than giving up easy baskets. So, you know, it's, it's a tough deal. They, they have some young talent and I mean, you see some of the flashes, but they need a dynamic point guard. Year three for Ben Johnson is going to be pretty big. I've already kind of rode off season two, which is kind of sad because we're only 12 games into the year. But year three is going to be pretty big. If year three looks a lot like this, it could be a pretty short tenure for Ben Johnson at the University of Minnesota. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying you can't have three seasons like this and survive very long in the Big Ten, especially when he's not making top dollar. He's making good money, but he's not making – great money comparatively to the rest of the big 10. I will say this about his counterpart at the, with the women. They're looking Uh, good. Yeah. They are. And they're looking, they're looking good. They're looking better, which is much needed because heading into the year and even early on in the season, Daniel, I think I even texted you and said, if her name wasn't Lindsay Whalen, she'd be on the hot seat. I mean, she might be out of a job at the end of this season, but they're playing better. And I think you should expect some growing pains. They're playing a lot of freshmen that they, they had that top 10 recruiting class nationally. So I'm starting to come around to go for women's basketball. I, I could see some light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah. I, I watched, I think it was a couple of weeks ago a game. And I thought, man, this team has improved a lot, like way more dynamic scoring ability. Uh, just, you know, the talent level you could see definitely has increased and, and that that's the thing. Patience is sometimes key when you're trying to build these, these teams, you know, but in the transfer portal era, I feel there are more opportunities available to, you know, not have as long a rebuild. It's like you can come in and like, if you hit on a couple of portal players and blend in a, a few, you know, four year players that are, you can develop up, you can get your program off the ground. And so, you know, Lindsay's done a nice job with the four year recruiting. I mean, that's definitely been the difference there. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks, she's lost to Kentucky and Iowa, who is in the top 15, but then bounced back against 
programs you should beat Chicago State and Milwaukee uh, on this record date she's she's eight and five uh, I mean ideally I think we'd like it to be a bit better but I with what we've seen in the last few years I don't think you can complain an awful lot at this moment house I think this is a great place to leave it a great place to wish you a very happy holiday season Merry Christmas Happy New Year. Same to everybody listening. Whatever holiday you celebrate, if you have one this time of year, happy holiday season to you and yours. I hope everybody stays safe out there. And I am very, very appreciative of the listenership of this podcast and the people that interact with me. This is likely it for 2022, but definitely back in 2023 in house. I expect you to be a pretty big, uh, big part of that. And thank you for always making time for. Minnesota sports chat, but also this uh, awesome and wonderful friendship that we have created. So thank you for that. Happy holidays, Ross. Same to you and all the listeners out there. Uh, Looking forward to 2023. Lots of fun things in store, I feel like. So at gophersguru.com, $5 a month gets you access to all the content. By the time the spring game rolls around, is it possible the spring game will be canceled this year because the snow is not all melted? Is, well, that, see, is that what derails the game this year? <laughs> see, you know, that's a that's a bet worth, you know, we, we've got to get some money exchanged on this in the Gopher community because I, every I year that happens. Yeah, I can't tell you the last time I made it to a spring game and I used to make it to every one, but we've had we've had one outright canceled, right? Let's go through this really quickly. One was outright canceled. We've had a couple well, moved indoors and not open to the public. On that one was there was a snowstorm coming in, so they played it early. At yeah, the they stadium. moved it up, which I couldn't make it to that one. <laughs> and then the one was yeah, COVID-related. They, you know, they had – I don't know what they did there. I can't remember, but they, I don't think they had fans. And Yeah, so the PJ hasn't had much success <laughs> with successfully getting a spring game off. So we'll see if he can do that this year. Yesterday, I was joking with him about – setting the over under on the press conference at 42 and a half minute opening statement. And he came in at 45 and a half. <laughs> and it was funny. He, he's just laughing and he goes, well, you know, if you took the over, I'm not giving you any insider trading info, but I'm going to say you're, you're going to win some money. You, so you got to get the, over. you got to get the media time, any chance you can get it, especially here in flyover territory. So good for PJ. <laughs> Uh, Good for everybody for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Daniel House. Yes, go to gophersguru.com. Get yourself a subscription, maybe a loved one in your family for this holiday season. He's at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. I am at Brendel Ross on Twitter. And that'll do it for edition number, I don't even remember what we're on, edition number 148 of Minnesota Sports Chat, I do believe. Thank you so much for listening. I'm back again next week.